0: Live from the Business Radio X studio inside Renaissance Bank, the bank that specializes in understanding you. It's time for North Fulton Business Radio. And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of North Fulton Business Radio. I'm John Ray. And folks, we are broadcasting from inside Renaissance Bank in beautiful Alpharetta. And if you're tired of the mega bank experience, and if you or at one of those banks, you know what I'm talking about, Uh, computer-generated voices and um, really not anybody around to help you when you really need the help. Um, I've got a suggestion that involves picking up the phone and calling the folks at Renaissance Bank. Um, Yeah, sure, you can go to renaissancebank.com and learn a lot there. But um, here's the thing. If you go to renaissancebank.com and find one of their local offices and give them a call – It's a good way to test them. And guess what? They answer the phone. Imagine that. A real person answers the phone. And that's just the start of a personal experience that I think you'll be glad to have. I know I've found that with the clients that I work with in conjunction with Renaissance. So go to renaissancebank.com again and find one of their local offices and give them a call. Renaissance Bank, understanding you, member FDIC. Now I want to welcome Josh Sweeney. Josh is the founder and CEO of Founderscale. Josh, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Dale, thanks for being here. Let's talk about you and how you're serving folks out there. Give us an introduction to Founderscale.
1: Sure. So founder scale, we help businesses go from founder revenue to scalable revenue. And what we find is in many small businesses, the challenge that the founder or owner has is they generate a majority of the revenue in the business. Mm -hmm. And at some point, they want to grow past themselves. And there's lots of things that they try to do that. And often it can be more complex than expected to grow past yourself as that main revenue generator.
0: I like that. There are a lot of companies at that point right? I mean, and never, sometimes never get past that point.
1: Definitely. There is a large volume of companies where that founder generates the revenue and they're stuck in the business or they can't have the exit they want or the freedom of time that they want because they have to bring, in, bring home the bacon. Right, right.
0: Yeah. It's not even just a matter of the exit. It's a matter of taking vacation. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, um, cool. I want to get to that. But before we do, let's talk a little bit about you and your journey. And uh, what led you to starting this business?
1: So for about nine years, I had a CRM consulting firm. Mm -hmm. And I grew that to a few million in revenue before having my first exit. And all during that business, I spent hundreds of thousands of dollars and probably hundreds or thousands of hours trying to figure out how to scale sales and marketing, how to scale revenue. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I discovered was it's a lot more complicated then you know a Google search would have you think with all those with all the results and solutions that are claimed to be out there. Sure. So we just tried lots of different things, and I said, you know, there's got to be a way uh, to launch a company like Founder Scale that focuses on the small business owner and really understands what they're going through and how they can scale revenue and how that's different from doing that in a large business.
0: Yeah. That. So you had some on the job. Um, frustration maybe is the way to say it along the way, um, that led you to your passion for your current business.
1: Yeah, definitely. I call it an expensive entrepreneurial education. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you were paying tuition, didn't,
1: exactly. even, didn't even know it huh? all the time, every year. paying right. tuition. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you, you founder scale was founded when? Uh, 2020. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. And so you help founders get to scalable revenue i mean what 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 does that mean maybe is is i mean i know we we talked about the idea that that keeps founders you know out of that part of the business right right? and 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 generates business business for the firm that's independent of them right right but let's talk about what form that takes
1: Yeah. So it can take a few forms, but what we see is kind of the crux is an example would be take a founder of a, say a B2B professional services firm that's at 2 million in revenue. Mm -hmm. They generated a lot of that business over multiple years, most often. And what we say is that's kind of, it's almost the freebie zone. That's the zone in which the founder went out and generated all of that. There wasn't a hard cost. Uh, associated. It was just time for the founder to go out and be the expert. And at some point, they hit a cap, and that cap is different for every founder in business. Right. Um, but they hit a cap where they just don't have any more time. They're now running a company and they actually need to spend money on sales and marketing to continue to grow. And that's a really tough transition for a founder because what we find is most founders. Um there's a couple different styles, but one is they jump in feet first and just start spending money on lead generation right. and they do that multiple times to figure out it doesn't work. I've been through that journey. Okay. Um another common one is they want to spend money and have budget that they want to allocate, but they don't know how much to allocate, what it, what it's actually going to do and where to spend it. So what we do is we help them map that out before they spend the first dollar on sales and marketing. Oh wow. So
0: if lead generation doesn't work.
1: And I tend to agree with you on that. Yeah. <laughs> what does work? So we recommend that before starting on lead generation, you know, there's a perception around lead generation first of, you yeah. as the entrepreneur, I'm going to go pay for this one thing it's going to be the silver bullet for every, you know, 3,000 a month I pay, I'm going to get $9,000 in deals. Right. And that's if you're running good margins. Right. So there's this concept that lead generation is just going to bring in the leads and and they, they usually try that in multiple different forms and figure out that doesn't, that doesn't work out. And the reason is is lead generation as a concept is really to convert and close people who are already engaged with your brand. Mm. So if you have people that have already engaged with your company, lead generation can be beneficial, but in a small business, we don't normally see there's that much engagement, right? So you have to go one step above in the funnel. How do you engage people? So demand generation, we say what demand generation is for is to engage and educate, Mm. whereas lead generation converts and close, right? That's, That's below it in the funnel.
0: So what you're saying is people are focused too far down the funnel to begin with.
1: Exactly. And it's yeah. kind of the challenge of a founder, right? It's right. your money. Yeah. It's uh very near and dear to your heart. You did a lot of money. You did a lot to earn it. And sure. so when you spend it, you want, you want immediate results. You almost need that immediate results, uh, those immediate results. But the problem is, is trying to just make that jump to immediate results is not necessarily going to work. It usually doesn't work for most people. They need, there's some precursors that have to happen, which is demand generation. Um, Okay, so I want to get more into that in a yeah. second, but what what that leads
0: to, I guess what you're saying is that that founder, because they're is impatient the word because they're impatient and want to start halfway down the funnel right they're jumping from tactic to to tactic right um, and they don't have a coherent strategy that really fits what they're
1: trying to do. Exactly. And there's normally also a disconnect in, you know, what sales and marketing pieces of the puzzle come together Mm -hmm. to give you the entire, you know, the entire puzzle. Right. So you can't just take one piece and just go, oh, that's, that paints the picture. You know, you have one little piece of the puzzle. And so understanding what works in what ways for different size businesses can be complex and only comes with experience. So what, let's do some, defining here what is demand generation so we say that demand generation is a process of engaging and educating your target audience so that when they are ready to purchase your services Mm -hmm. they think of you first Mm. so it's really staying in front of them consistently so again when they're ready they think of you but why do
0: i have to wait for them to be ready right
1: (laughs) I need something now, Josh. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the crux, right? You need it now. Um, But they don't know of you. You haven't built rapport. You haven't built trust. Um, So it's really hard to take a cold, you know, a cold engagement and convert that into a deal. Mm. You need to be engaging. Uh, You need to be working with people. You need to be educating your target audience.
0: Well, what you, what you say fits where the buyer's heads are these days, right? I mean, because, People do a lot more education on their own, right? Before they even engage
1: a services provider, right? Exactly. Yeah. Say doing, more about that. Yeah. So they're doing research online, and what we find is the the your competitor, if they're engaging and educating, mm-hmm. then they're capturing that audience way before they want to make a buying decision. All right. And then you're trying to swoop in and cold call them with lead generation. Somebody you've Have no, you know, relationship with in any way and say, no, but choose me while this other company had all this content, you know, invited them on a podcast, maybe invited them to webinars, Mm -hmm. a local educational event. They've engaged that person multiple times. So there's a certain amount of, you know, loyalty, I guess that. That company has already engaged and educated them, so they're going to buy from them when the time is right. Hmm. So it's really hard to be that one that swoops in when somebody else has done a great job engaging you on a one to one or on a personal level.
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Josh Sweeney is with us, folks. He is the founder and CEO of Founderscale. So, you know, we've talked about the. I want it now, kind of <laughs> yeah. attitude. We all want it now. I'm not criticizing. We all want it now. But, but, um, how do you counsel your clients in that patience to <laughs> yeah. engage in that demand generation and plant those seeds, right? Um, such that, uh, that patience hopefully pays off, right? I mean, that's, right. Cause that's, isn't that the crux of, what you what what you're working
1: with clients on does it yeah, get down to that definitely i mean it yeah. comes down to an educa aspect of the educational piece yeah and so our best clients normally already tried to or were impatient in some way mm-hmm. and tried multiple things and what i can show them is well you've tried three things and you've spent this much money and you've already gone through that was a year and a half worth of work mm-hmm. so You already didn't get the immediate results you're looking for. So now if we start again, you know, and you're a little more patient, we can get those better results. Now, how we counsel on that is kind of our flagship services. We come on and I come on as a fractional CRO, like a chief revenue officer, and we map that out on paper first. So I always tell clients, you know, it's a lot cheaper to spend money on a spreadsheet than in the real world. And so we really map it out on spreadsheets. We have a lot of numbers from other clients we've worked with to understand the dynamics of what generates a lead, what, you know, how you engage with people. How does that, you know, is that going to happen three, six or nine months? And so when we're able to map it out, I find that most founders are making those immediate leaps, Mm -hmm. uh, kind of feet first because it's in lieu of having good data. And so when we're able to show them, this is the plan for the next 12 months, this is where your money's going. This is how it's going to be allocated and why this all works together. They're, they're making a better decision because they're more informed. And so that's really a part of our first, you know, 90 days with a client is helping them make a more informed decision about sales and marketing.
0: Got it. Uh, that makes perfect sense. So what, When you're talking about engaging with potential buyers, what form does that take?
1: Yeah, it can take a lot of different forms depending on the business. So, you know, a B2B versus a B2C company are going to engage buyers in a different way. Um, But that can be, you know, the consistency of a newsletter you know, there's really good newsletters out there. Some people love them, some people hate them, but you know, if done well and right, there's impact on the business where Mm -hmm. you're staying in front of that prospect or target audience every 30 days. So that could be a way to engage a podcast, you know, a radio show or a series like this is a great way to engage. Again, you're building a relationship, you're staying in front. Yeah. So we look at all the different sales and marketing options out there. We have a basically a list of, you know, almost 20 or 30 categories. And we look at that and say, based on who you are as a founder, how can we stay in touch with your, your target audience every 30 days? So how are you consistently engaging the people who may want to buy from you and building that relationship? So again, when they're ready, they think of you first.
0: Yeah. I like that. So, um, so you've got this menu of 30 different, right. Um, options that a that a founder can think about. How how does how do you pick from those options? Is it based on the founder's um, uh, personality, um, uh, uh, competency? Um, I mean, like if they're a good writer, yeah, and enjoy
1: writing, they might like to write that newsletter or something like that. Is that is that the way you think about it? So yeah, we think about it by the type of business. So there's certain types of businesses. So if you're a if you're a local B two C company and you own you know, lots of retail stores. Then we would look and say, well, what works in that environment better? Yeah. Well, we've seen a really good customer acquisition cost if you put a lot, put more money and effort into Google My Business. Mm. So that works on that side. Right. Whereas, like in a B two B environment, most founders built the business through networking, mm-hmm. and so we have ways that we can amplify the networking effect, where you're adding on some email and some other outreach to the network you're already in to maximize that association that you're already in. Got it. And so there's different plays based on what that founder has historically done and excelled at and what type of business it is. And that's where, that's where people I think most often get go astray is they look across and see another large business and go, well, so-and-so is working. It says it's working for them, but they don't know the dynamics of why that particular item works for them. That sales or marketing tactic works for them.
0: Yeah. That, yeah. Wow. I love that. So Let's talk about the, I guess, the probability of success, all things yeah. being equal, right? And I know every business is different and depends on how much they lean into these things. But let's just talk about the probability of long-term success when, you're, when you are patient and engage in demand generation versus the impatience of going straight to lead generation.
1: Yeah. So the thing about demand generation is you're building up something that you're going to keep over time. So for example, in, if you just want to convert and close, you try lead generation, you're just cold calling people or email blasts or LinkedIn blasts, whatever it might be. And there's, there's a time and a place for those things. But for small business owners, there's, there's different ways to use that correctly. And so what we find is once it's done, it's done. It's gone forever. Well, when you take the demand generation approach and you look out over the long term and you're building a newsletter with a subscriber list, you have something that you keep in perpetuity. Mm. When you build a podcast, you have content you keep in perpetuity. You have content SEO, it's in perpetuity, right? So when you take a different approach there, you're actually building for the future and its infrastructure and sales and marketing assets that you get to keep for the long term. And so that when we look at demand generation, there's a lot more that you get to keep. And so even years two and three start to look better because of the impact of all of those things building on each other over time. So you get this compound effect instead of the one and done of, well, I called and you didn't answer. Well, I called them and they didn't answer, you know?
0: Yeah, I love that because in compounding was exactly where I was going to go. It's just like compound interest. Yeah. Right. Compound interest. Over time when you're getting the interest on the original principle plus all the gains and interest that you 've earned over time, you 've got something that grows exponentially. Is that where we're
1: what we're looking at with demand generation? Yeah, you definitely are looking at something that's compounding over time that's going to give you more and more capabilities later right um, I think the other cool thing is when you start to grow the company and you start to get past certain uh revenue thresholds. The solution to continue to grow is more expensive. Um, it's, it can be more complicated. But Say you've already, more about that. So an example would be uh, you want to do something like marketing automation, where you have a lot of data on your buyers and your prospects, and you want automated emails going out based on what their interests are and everything else. Well, the blocker to doing something like that is having content. Mm. So if you've been building content for a year that's SEO optimized, that's helping you on Google, and then you try to add this other more sophisticated marketing strategy later, you've already built up the infrastructure you need for the next play. So oftentimes when we're looking at demand gen, we're not just looking at this year, but we can look at a three year and say, okay, everything that we're working on this year based on your budget and timeline is going to give you the opportunity to do these two things next year. Mm. But if you just tried to do that next year, you know, without putting this infrastructure in place, it would be double the cost and or triple the cost and it would be a rush to get it all done. Mm. So with sales and marketing, you know, what a lot of small business owners aren't looking at a lot of times is that multi-year strategy and say, you know, here's where I want to be. I want to be this revenue in five, three or five years. Well, there's a a model to get there.
0: Yeah. Wow. Um, so. What size I know what size companies you said you you typically work with but but just in general when does when does a business owner implement demand generation should they do it from the very beginning of their
1: business? Yeah. So we're advocates. Ideally, Yeah. Ideally you start, um, early on. Yeah. Uh, the reason we like to look at it and when we map it out, we actually, it doesn't matter what the size of the business is. We Mm -hmm. look at sales and marketing as a percentage of their gross revenue spend. So even if your gross revenues, a hundred thousand or a million or 10 million, when we look at a percentage of that revenue going to sales and marketing, that gives you something to start putting in place now Mm. for the growth later. So, if you use a percentage, it works at any, any size of the spectrum, right? Any gross revenue number. And so we can put that, you can start putting that in place and it's a lot easier to learn that in the early days and get used to allocating that capital to sales and marketing than waiting until you're a $3 million business. You grew it all through networking and all of a sudden you have to spend a lot more than you're comfortable spending or know how to allocate. Right. So it's almost like a surprise later. And you could have uh, kind of been learning along the way.
0: Yeah, sure. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So you work. I think you said earlier you work with companies that, that they can, they kind of at the million two million dollar level and up, right?
1: Yeah, our sweet spot's about two to twenty million in revenue. Yeah. so okay. we still do focus on those small business owners. Yeah, um, but yeah, two to twenty is kind of the sweet spot, and then we have some other services for the uh, more like workshop series for the sub two million.
0: Got it. So you. you you kind of start at that $2 million level and and work up. But what, what does, um, what, what does a business owner that is, has gotten to that point, I guess, when do they know they need you? I guess is what I'm trying to get (laughs) get to. Right. I mean, because, uh, sometimes business owners have a problem, uh, self-diagnosing what their issue is, right? So when right. W- when do I know I need to call you?
1: Yeah, there's a few strong indicators of okay. when, to, when to call us. One is if you've tried a number of sales and marketing tactics, spent time and money, and realized that you need some outside advice on this, mm-hmm. you know? So if you already kind of jumped in feet first a few times, you've tried it and you've made educated guesses, but they didn't work out the way that you wanted. And now you want a strategy in place and somebody to walk that journey with you. Uh, another common one we hear is, um, hey, I'm ready to spend on this, but I don't know what to spend it on. There's all these options when it comes to sales and marketing, where can I put my money? And so we've had clients that came to us that said that, you know, Hey, I want to keep growing. I want to grow past myself. We're on a great trajectory, but we don't know what we don't know. Um, so that's another common scenario we see. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So
0: let's, let's talk about a success story. One that really helps illustrate what's this success looks like, uh, for those that are interested in what you've got to say, uh, what, what, what does the promised land look like?
1: Yeah. So I think, uh, one success story that comes to mind is a company that was that second, a uh, kind of version. We talked to them about demand generation and, you know, how they could spend their money. And they're like, Josh, we're just not sure what the right answer is. How can we, how can we start to get you know, educate ourselves and learn and discover what that answer is before we spend a lot of money Mm -hmm. on sales and marketing. And so we put together the roadmap for them and the strategy. And we got to about, you know, four weeks in and the picture, the clarity, everything became clear really quickly. They were like, these are the things we think we need. This is why we need it. And so now they had buy-in on the strategy and model. And, um, about, it was probably about six months in, We had a lot of clarity about the campaigns we were going to run. We started running those. They started getting leads in and we were able to tell them, okay, here's the next thing we normally see that's a challenge. You know, you're getting leads in, but who's following up? Mm. So we were advocates to say the next part of your budget doesn't need to be more leads. It needs to be a few salespeople. And this is how an inside sales team works. These are the things you need to think about. So the good thing is, is we can... Based on our experience, we could help them predict what their next issue was going to be because we've seen the pattern multiple times. Sure. So yeah, as of this date, you know they've been they've run multiple campaigns that generated great ROI and continue to be a long term client and have renewed it with us and have continued to scale up their revenue. Um, and I think they're you know about a million dollars more than they were when we started.
0: Oh wow! Yeah. yeah. You got my attention on that. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Money talks. That's for sure. Um, so do do you have a specific, I mean, B2B is a big subject. So do you have specific, um, uh, I guess subsectors in that, in the B2B space that
1: are better fits for you client wise? Um, I think there's a couple that we've worked with in the past very commonly. So when it comes to the B2B side, a lot of professional services company have this challenge where the, we call them expert founders. That founder was an expert in an area and they decided to start a company based on their expertise and have done an amazing job. Mm -hmm. But now uh, at some point they, they want to continue that growth pattern Mm -hmm. without them being the expert anymore almost, right? Or at a different level as a CEO or as a president. So they want to move into a different expert role. Um, and so though that would probably be our most common is different professional services. There's not any specific industry verticals. Um, we've worked with many different verticals, but professional services on the B2B side.
0: Got it. Yeah. I can see how that's a, a really good place for you to focus because you've got, uh, there's a whole lot of low-hanging fruit for that expert founder, right? Right. At the beginning. And then I can see how they hit a wall and it's a little disconcerting, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, they hit a wall pretty quickly. You know, they can grow it up to just on their own. They can get help in to deliver, Mm -hmm. but you find that they're still the one doing the quotes because maybe it's complex quoting that they have the knowledge for. Um, They're the ones doing the networking. They have no more bandwidth. And once you get to a certain size, you just can't be the one generating the majority of the revenue anymore. You're getting pulled in different directions and you need to go overcome sales, marketing operations, and HR challenges. And, uh, so yeah, it's a, it's an interesting transition and it's somebody that's very close to the knowledge and the detail. So they have a very high bar for the quality of what they want done. And, uh, so, so the transition can be a little harder sometimes for professional services, those experts at least. Yeah,
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, Wow, Josh, this has been great. I can't imagine that there aren't some folks listening to what you've had to say that uh, think, hey, I need to be in touch with Josh. So let's give them directions on how they can do that.
1: Sure. So you can go to founderscale.com and click the contact button and just type in my name on the form and ask for me. It'll be routed over. And you can also find me on LinkedIn. I think it's uh, Josh L. Sweeney on LinkedIn. If you search my name, you'll find me pretty quickly. Cool.
0: Josh Sweeney. Founder and CEO of Founderscale. Josh, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, folks, just a uh, quick reminder. If you are having some dysfunction, not just in the uh, demand generation side, but you've got some back office issues, maybe you're spending too much time there as well with administrative tasks uh, bookkeeping, uh, preparing presentations. Um, why do you need to do that stuff? Why don't you give it to one of the great professionals at office angels? Office angels has a whole team of angels and they are angels. I know this. I work with them myself and my business that they fly in and get that work done and they fly out and they do it on an ongoing or as needed basis. And they help you restore the joy They used to have in your business before you got bogged down in all this stuff. So give them a call six seven eight five two eight zero five zero zero, or you can go to OfficeAngels.us. But I suggest just give them a call and tell them we sent you, and I think you'll be glad you did. And. I have a book coming out later this year. It's called the price and value journey, raising your confidence, your value and your pricing using the generosity mindset method. It's for professional services providers that are having issues with your pricing, your positioning, helping improve that side of your business. If you're interested in that, you can go to price value com to learn more, to sign up for updates on when that book is coming out and, uh, if you want to be in touch with me directly, you can email me, Ray at com is one good place to email me. So we'd love to hear from you if you're interested in that. But I want to thank you, our audience, wherever you are, uh, you have just been tremendously supportive of our show. We're about to hit show number 700 of North Fulton Business Radio, and we've only gotten this far because of you. You continue to support us on social media. You share the show. And I'm grateful for that. Please continue to do that. If you've heard something here from Josh that makes you think, hey, I want to share this show, I've got somebody that I think needs to hear this message about demand generation, please share the show and do that for any of our other shows where you feel so inclined. You help us fulfill our mission to be the voice of business in the North Fulton region, and I am grateful for you. So for my guest, Josh Sweeney, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on North Fulton Business Radio.